Welcome to Hydrant Online as we continue through this season of Advent. Now, Advent is those four weeks at the beginning of the church year that lead up to Christmas. It's about the anticipation of celebration. It's about the in-between times. It's about learning to wait. And so each year we as a church take four weeks of anticipating the coming of Christ in our lives, in our world, in the midst of our pain, our problems, our, our struggles, our disappointments, our, our hopes. And we, we remember that season of waiting for God's people. We remember how we have been waiting for his return for 2,000 years. And we, we allow ourselves to, to feel the angst, to feel the, the anxiety, to feel the anticipation of Christ breaking into our lives in a new way. Because the, the truth is, God is always up to something new. He's always at work doing something new. He's always inviting us into something new. But it often, it often requires a season of waiting, a season of anticipation, a season of, of quiet, a season where it feels like maybe we're unseen or undervalued or, or we're not really sure what we're supposed to do. God will lead us into these kind of barren seasons, these quiet seasons, these in-between seasons of waiting. But it's not just waiting, it's, it's a time to grow, a time to prepare, a time to learn and see ourselves and to see him in fresh ways. And so through this season of Advent, we are, we're talking a little bit about how we can enter into the in-between season, that we can embrace what he's doing in us and through us. And as we, as we wait on him, as, as we get ready for whatever he has for us. And, and I want to talk about two components of living in the in-between I mean, it feels like we've been in the in-between for a long time. As we saw the beginning of this pandemic almost a year ago and have been waiting and anticipating the end. And, and now I read in the New York Times just this week that the, the projected timeline is that by the end of the summer at the latest that we should be starting to see gatherings come back around and, and it gives us some hope. That this in-between season, this waiting season, will come to an end. And so we, we're kind of, those still stuck. We're still waiting. We're still anticipating. So, so how do we live in this? And I think one of the ways that we live in this is to embrace the, the whittling. Embrace the, the cutting away of of parts of ourselves and our character and our attitude and our understanding that don't fit, that don't belong, that don't help us. Allow God to do a work in us. It's the, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, he kind of talks about it this way, beginning at verse 1, and I, I encourage you to grab your Bible or your phone or whatever you can and, and look up Hebrews chapter 12. It reads this way. Therefore, 
Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters. My child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a child. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as children, for what child is not disciplined by his father? There is a part of waiting that can be painful. There's a part of waiting and being still and and entering into a time where we can't be productive, we can't make things happen, where we lose some of the control we feel like we have in life. And in that season, we're forced to see ourselves. Now, let's be honest, a lot of us don't like everything we see when we look in the mirror. And I'm not talking about physical appearance, but we don't like some of the, the characters we see. We don't, we don't like some of, the, some of the attitudes that we see. We, we look and we, we recognize that there are parts of us that are still owned by sin. There are parts of us that are still in need of God's hand at work in us. There are still things like the author writes that we need to throw off because they are hindering us. And there is sin that is tripping us up and entangling us and keeping us from becoming everything we were created to be. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18 writes about it, and he he talks about God as a potter with the clay and how he continues to reform it and continues to shape it so it could be its best. In this this whittling process, there's this idea called the the law of pain, and it it says that, that every problem we face presents a person to himself. So what it what he's saying is that every time we enter into a problem, every time we enter into a, a painful situation, it reveals something about us. It reveals something about our character and our identity and our beliefs and our values and our vision for our life and the, the things that really matter to us. It has something that shapes us. We can go to Psalm chapter 139, and again, if you have your Bibles, turn there to to Psalms chapter 139. And there in verse 23 and 24, we read these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, 
and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is what we need when we go into a painful process. You see, if we're going to recognize the law of pain and embrace the whittling that happens in the in-between, then we're going to go to God and say, hey, look, I need you to look at me. I need you to show me the parts of me that need to change. I need you to, to do something in me that helps me to see who I could be on the other side of this. I need you, God, to, to work and shape and reveal the anxious thoughts and revere, reveal the fearful thoughts and reveal the prideful thoughts and show me the, the sinful habits and give me the courage to, to work on those things. Listen, if we're going to take the problems and the pain of in-between and turn them around and, and walk them through into something remarkable, into that day when the warm sun shines on us again and life begins to bloom in all sorts of possibilities, then it's going to begin when we simply choose a positive perspective on our problems, to recognize them the way the author of Hebrews described as discipline. Discipline is, is the ability to choose what we want later over what we want now. And so what we're, we're seeing is that the difficulty and the pain is an opportunity for us to, to walk into something better, to grow, to see ourselves. But it, it requires us to, to choose that positive perspective, to, to think creatively even about our problems. I used to call a friend and tell him that I have a problem when I needed his help. And he would say, no, you don't have a problem. You have an opportunity. Every problem is really an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow or to learn something new or to try something or to develop or to fix something. There is an opportunity embedded in every problem. But you have to think creatively to see it. And then you can begin to value those hard experiences. They become signs that you're moving in the right direction or that you're at least moving. I mean, face it, you can't stub your toe standing still. It's only when you're moving that you can run into that pain. And, and the same thing happens in life. And then we decide. We decide. Life is made up of our choices, and so when we go through something painful, when we get stuck in between, or something bad happens to us, or we do something wrong, the question becomes, what am I going to do next? Will you follow a bad decision or a bad experience with good decisions? One of the ways that I often fail in this is in, in my eating habits, and and this COVID season has owned me in that department. It has, it has walked me off track more times than I can count. I've lost the same five pounds at least five times because I start down a good path and, and then maybe somebody calls and wants to go to lunch and where they want to go. I can't really get anything healthy, so I, so I end up eating a bad lunch, which then turns into, well, it's just a cheat day and I ate a bad dinner and I ate dessert and it's usually Friday, so it becomes a bad weekend, and I just never get started again on Monday. And so I, I lose that five pounds over and over again because I let one bad thing turn into multiple bad decisions. 
But if we're going to enter into this in-between season and we're going to embrace the whittling, embrace the thing that God would do in us and the, the way that he would use the pain to shape us, then we have to choose to make good decisions following the painful things. To not allow them to lead us into, into toxic habits or to, into bad decisions or into a lack of wisdom or into bad relationships. A bend in the road is just that, unless you don't make the turn. And then it becomes an ending. And lastly, you gotta, you got to refuse to blame others. If we're really going to enter into this season and we're going to become everything we want to be, everything God wants us to be on the other side of this, if we're going to cast off the things that hinder us and we're going to, and we're going to get untangled from the sin that is tripping us up and we're going to see the, the, even the troubles as an opportunity to grow because they're ways that God is teaching us discipline, then, then we're going to have to accept some responsibility and just refuse to blame anyone else for the situations we find ourselves in. Simply embrace responsibility and walk into it. Make the choices that we can make. You know, I often think about God's work in my life like a, like a sculptor. You know, when a sculptor approaches a, a giant rock, they, they have this ability to see within it what it could be. They see the, the beautiful sculpture inside the rough and jaggedness and the hardness of that stone. And, and, and what they begin to do is they chip off the pieces. They whittle off. They, they cut off the pieces that don't belong. And I feel like that as God sees you and he sees me, that he, he sees what could be. And he's simply taking off the parts that don't belong, inviting us to join him in this process as he, as he whittles away, as he chips away at rough edges and damaged corners and all of the, the sharp, jagged mess. But as a rock, I seem to call out to him, like, no, wait, <laughs> no, wait, I like that corner, it protects me. No, I, I like that jagged edge, it keeps people away. I like that rough side, it keeps people from getting too close. It's like protection. And so we try to fight against what he would do in us. We don't see the, the trade-off that he is inviting us to. We don't see how he's inviting us to trade the jagged edge for beauty. You don't, we don't see how he is inviting us to choose the rough, to trade the rough surface for a strong strength. We don't see how he's inviting us into these trade-offs. I mean, I, I think when it comes to what God does in us, there are times when he asks us to add something. There are times when he asks us to subtract something. There are times when he asks us to trade something. Because the, the reality is the difference between where we are now and, and who he is inviting us to become are the things, the changes that we're willing to make. And if we're unwilling to make changes, we're unwilling to let him whittle away and subtract, we're unwilling to trade off, we're unwilling to let him tell us what to add, then we are unable 
to become what he wants us to be. And, and these seasons of in-between are perfectly designed to enter into that transformation, perfectly designed to, to allow us to see ourselves as he sees us, perfectly designed to give us the time to, to build fresh habits and to, to work on bad attitudes and to, to whittle away at that sin. But it, we need to understand that these changes that he would have us to make are always going to be personal. They're not someone else's problem. They're not someone else's issue. They're ours to make. And we have the ability to make them. It's possible. And it will lead us toward who he meant for us to be. But really, I think that, I think that Hebrews, Hebrews is so wise in the way that it, it puts this for us. He tells us first to, to set aside everything that hinders and the, and the sin that so easily entangles. And then he tells us to, to set our eyes on Jesus because he endured the cross for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He endured the pain. He endured the struggle. He endured death so that the new life might be available to all of us. He anticipated what was new and was therefore able to endure the cross. And we too can endure the pain, endure the struggle, endure the in-between, endure the losses and the death, the things that we face because of the joy set before us, because we are confident that, that God is doing something new. He talks about it in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, where he's, Behold, I am doing a new thing. And Revelation 21.5, the Bible ends with the statement that God is doing a new thing. He is always bringing about something new. He is always moving us in, in hope and faith and belief that, that what God is doing means that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I can remember interviewing at this small church years ago and, and meeting a man named Irving. And this church was really at some of its lowest days. It was struggling. It really was on the verge of potentially being closed. And, and I asked the church as I'm interviewing, tell me about your best days. And Irving was the first to speak. And he said, our best days are yet to come. Our best days are yet to come. And I can remember how much that sentiment meant to me and stuck with me as I became the pastor of that small church. And we began to lead it into revitalization and new life. And, and I can remember praying, God, give me the faith of Irving to believe that the best is yet to come. Help me to, to have the kind of courage and faith and belief of Irving. <laughs> the funny thing that God said back to me was, Irving has been walking with me for decades, trusting me through ups and downs, through pains and losses, through struggles and every part of life. And he has the faith he has now because of that journey. 
when you walk with me for five or six decades, you'll have that kind of faith too. And sometimes I want him to short circuit and give me that faith or to, to solve that problem. And he's inviting me to walk with him, to trust him, and to simply believe and anticipate that he is doing something new so I can endure and grow through whatever whittling, whatever, whatever chipping away, whatever pruning he wants to do in my life. Whatever problems come, whatever struggles come, because I anticipate the new. I can endure whatever I have to endure for the joy set before me. As we go into this season of Advent and this extended COVID season, what whittling, what trade-offs might God be asking of you? Is he inviting you to, to trade off this immediate gratification for personal growth? Is he inviting you to trade off a, a fast, busy life for a good life? Is he inviting you to trade off a sense of security for a life of significance? Is he inviting you to trade off your fear for hope? Inviting you to trade off toxic relationships for new friendships? To trade off sin for holiness, to trade off anxiety and worry for joy. What is he inviting you to in this, in this Advent season? As we anticipate the new, as we anticipate Christ breaking, as we celebrate Christmas, as that reminder that God has not abandoned us and that Jesus shows up in our lives, that he is for us and not against us, that he is at work bringing forgiveness, bringing hope, bringing joy to those who will trust and follow him. What is he asking you to trade off so that you can become who he created you to be? What is it that he wants to do? See, we've got to give some things up to grow up. What does he want to do in you? Let's pray. Father, being in between is terrible. I hate it. I hate waiting. I hate having to work on things about me that break your heart or hurt those around me. I hate having to slow down and really be and see everything sometimes. But at the same time, there is something refreshing and hopeful in it. So God, would you help us to embrace the whittling, embrace the cutting away, embrace the trade-offs as we anticipate newness, as we anticipate the coming end of this COVID season, as we anticipate the, the coming of Jesus, as we anticipate the way you are breaking in and bringing about newness in our lives, God, would you help us in this waiting in between to hold on to hope and the joy set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.